Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs, hosted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc., featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we're on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you're local, you will dial 702-650-5588. Again, local to join in on our discussion today. If you have a praise report, a prayer request, a general comment, we'd love to hear from you. 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you. That would be 800-366-8883. Again, 800-366-8883. We are also being streamed live over the Internet from KKVV's website. You can listen and watch now. That web address would be www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just wave to you. That also is happening from Save the Lost at All Costs' website. And our web address is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, look for our weekly radio broadcast archives. Just click on to that and you will be able to listen to anything that we have done. The gospel is always free on our watch. In addition to that, again, that web address is www.savethelostlv.org. Got a lot of wonderful resources up there. I hope you spend some time on the website and check it out. It's a blessing and tell someone about it. Now, if you have a Apple device and we are being archived on iTunes for free. So, again, Apple device iTunes, we're archived for free. Check us out. Most of us do have a cell phone. <clears throat> Excuse me. And KKVV, which is 1060 AM and 100.1 FM, has given us a wonderful opportunity to listen to them anytime. You can listen to Save the Lost at All Costs right now. And you need that phone number. However, it only works in the United States. I'm going to give it to you twice. I encourage you to lock it in and make it one of your phone contacts. That number is 605-313-0630. Now, we are in part two of a series that we started last week called Spiritual Adultery. And we were looking at Hosea chapter 4 mainly. And God used the prophet... Hosea to pronounce judgment uh, over the northern kingdom and their crime was adultery and idolatry, uh, polytheism, worshiping multiple gods. And 
we got all the way down, <clears throat> excuse me, to the very end where we had actually read all of chapter 4, but we were going back over uh, some scriptures and um, we got down to where we need to uh, look at 15, 16, 17, and 18. I'm not going to reread the scripture. I'm going to give you some insight, some commentary on it. Uh, we went over it extensively last week. I really encourage you to pick up part one because we need to move into part two today uh, where we're going to look at Hosea chapter 13 and chapter 14 and we're going to come to the conclusion of the matter uh, with restoration. So let me give you some commentary uh, on uh, chapters, excuse me, chapter four. We're looking at verses 15, 16, 17, and 18, and give you some commentary on that. Amen? So pertaining to verse 15, um, it says, God sent a warning to the southern kingdom of Judah that its priests should not become like those in Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah after its most powerful tribe. Israel's priests who remained in the north had forgotten their spiritual heritage and had sold out to Baal. <clears throat> they were promoting idol worship and ritual prostitution. Israel would not escape punishment, but Judah could if it refused to follow Israel's example. And looking at verse 17, Ephraim is another name for Israel, the northern kingdom, because Ephraim was the most powerful of the ten tribes in the north. In the same way, the southern kingdom was called Judah after the most powerful tribe. And we uh, need to look at verse 19 because that's the last verse in uh, Hosea chapter 4. And in reference to verse 19, the wind that would sweep Israel away refers to the Assyrian invasion that would destroy the nation about 20 years later. So... We're going to move over into Hosea chapter 13, and we are in the New King James Version. So I am going to read uh, all 16 verses, and then we're going to start breaking it down. Verse 1, the Word of God says this. Again, we're in Hosea chapter 13, and I will read all of the verses, and I'm in the New King James Version. The Word of God says this, verse 1, when Ephraim spoke trembling... He exalted himself in Israel, but when he offended through Baal worship, he died. Verse 2, now they sin more and more and have made for themselves molded images, idols of their silver according to their skill. All of it is the work of craftsmen. They say of them, let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. Three, therefore, they shall be like the morning cloud and like the early dew that passes away, like chafe blown off from a threshing floor and like smoke from a chimney. For yet I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt and you shall know no God but me. For there is no savior besides me. Five, I knew you in the wilderness. In the land of great drought, six, when they had pasture, they were filled. They were filled and their heart was exalted. Therefore, they forgot me. Seven, 
So I will be to them like a lion, like a leopard by the road I will lurk. Eight, I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs. I will tear open their rib cage, and there I will devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. Nine, O Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. Ten, I will be your king. Where is any other that he may save you in all your cities and your judges to whom you say, Give me a king and princes. Eleven, I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. Twelve, the iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is stored up. Thirteen, the sorrows of a woman and childbirth shall come upon him. He is a unwise son, for he should not take, excuse me, for he should not stay long where children are born. Fourteen, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. Fifteen, though he is fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come. The wind of the Lord shall come upon from the wilderness. Then his spring shall become dry, and his fountain shall be dried up. He shall plunder the treasury of every desirable prize. Sixteen, Samaria is held guilty, for she has rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their women with child ripped open. Okay, we just looked at Hosea chapter 13, and we read the entire chapter, uh, verse 1 all the way down to verse 16. Now these oracles that, there's, there's all, it's a hundred of them that uh you see when the prophets you know speak and they always deal with three time periods past present and future and there's always three basic ingredients you'll have the accusation of the sin which would be number one number two would be the evidence of the sin and three would be the prediction of punishment now here we're looking at spiritual adultery and we're looking at uh, idolatry in the form of polytheism, just worshiping multiple gods. Poly meaning more than one. So when you go back to the Decalogue, or shall I say the Ten Commandments, uh, you will see in the charge that was brought against them, at least one of the Ten Commandments broken. Two for sure. You don't have to break all of the commandments for God to deem you guilty as charged. And they're guilty as charged. So, when we look at verses 2 and 3, we hear... 
what the evidence is of idolatry. And it says, starting in verse 1, and, you know, I'll, I'll read it again, but verse 1, when Ephraim spoke trembling, he exalted himself in Israel, but when he offended through Baal worship, he died. Verse 2, now they sin more and more and have made of themselves molded images, idols of their silver, according to their skill, all of its work of craftsmen. They say of them, let the men who sacrifice kiss the calves. Can you imagine kissing calves? You know, these are the golden calves. These are the calves that were uh, molded into images. You know, God says in his word, you will have no other, you know, image before me. We are instructed as his people that we can't make any images. God is a spirit. What image could we have that would be suitable to depict him when he clearly instructs in his word not to do that? And he tells us that, you know, he's a jealous God. You can't put any other gods before him. These are his people. Totally in utter rebellion. There are ten commandments in the Decalogue. Ten. And trust and believe. They have violated. So... What does it say? It says in verse 3, Therefore they shall be like the morning cloud and like the early dew that passes away, like chafe blown off from a threshing floor, like smoke from a chimney. If you look at this imagery, smoke disappears. When it comes out of the chimney, uh, you see it for a while, then it disappears into the atmosphere. Early dew. You find dew in the morning, but by the afternoon it's gone. And morning clouds, they dissipate. So if you look at this imagery, this is what he's saying. Just like those things disappear, these people who practice this, who call themselves God's people, they would disappear like that. And it's by their own doing. And when you get down from verses 4 through 14, it's God speaking. And he's pronouncing judgment for worshiping any other God but him. And they're worshiping several gods. And what they're hoping to get, and you remember last week we talked about an emotional attachment. And when they're worshiping these gods, they they are falling into eroticism. They're having sex with prostitutes. And whatever it is that you want for this type of encounter, it could be men with women, women with women, men with men, prostitutes. In the spiritual realm. In the natural realm. Doing this. Idolizing other gods. Kissing calves. Bowing down. 
See, it was customary that when you worshipped an idol, you would bow down and kiss it during this time. Hoping that these sexual acts would produce fertility as it comes to agriculture. That it would make their crops (laughs) yield more. I guess they forgot about the rain part. The frequency of meals with every kind of meat you could imagine. Constantly, gluttony, heavy drinking, riotous living and parties, reveries. Because they found great honor among the Assyrians and the Babylonians, they enjoyed the success of their military conquests. They thought them to be superior economically by their pillaging and raping and decimating and attacking anything that was holy. Trying to get the people to not believe and keep God's covenants. See, during that time, Yahweh, God Almighty, required three annual feasts, you know, pilgrimages, where the people had to come to the temple, which was in Jerusalem. But when you're dealing with idolatry, this polytheism, They had temples on every hill and under every green tree because they were man-made. Self-sufficiency leads to self-doom because you're concentrating on the gift and not the giver, the blesser of all things. It makes you the sinner. And if you're the sinner, what do you need God for? And they all wanted the status of God. They wanted to be God-like. They called themselves God with all this debauchery going on. And somehow they thought they were honoring God. The God of themselves the gods of their own creation, called them craftsmen. God is not a craftsman. He's a creator. The creator. How soon they forgot. He lays it out. Let's look at verse 4. He says, Yet I am the Lord your God ever since the land of Egypt, and you shall know no God but me. But there is no Savior besides me. How can a man save himself? How can any man do that? And how are you going to accomplish that? Through self-sufficiency and idol worship. Kissing calves. Having sex with temple prostitutes and priestess. 
and bowing down to anything that was man-made. What is it? Your rabbit's foot? Your horoscope? Your lotto? A couple of quick picks? Some elixir you're going to drink or eat? Some party you're going to go to? Some celebration or some event that you put together and have delicacies? That wasn't what God wanted his people to focus on. If that's the case, then they could have stayed in Egypt. What was the point of bringing them out of Egypt? That's what was going on in Egypt. You know, God is not taking you out of a place that puts you in the same type of place. He could just leave you there. So, let's start breaking it down some more. And you got to understand verse 3. That is the total annihilation. Gone. Disappear. Like smoke from a chimney. Tell me anybody. Call me. Let's have a discussion. Somebody call in. How long can you watch smoke coming out of a chimney? And to see it remain as smoke. Morning dew. Can it last to the afternoon? No. And morning clouds. What do you do about the night? Morning cloud will not be there in the night. But guess who will be? God Almighty. So you you got to really look at this. When we look at chapter 13, there are six types of punishments that are mentioned. Chapter 3, it says they're going to be annihilated. It won't even be any remnant of them. You won't be able to see it. When we look at chapter, excuse me, that was, that was chapter, excuse me, that was verse 3. Verse 3, we're in chapter 13, that was verse 3. When we look at verse 7, it says punishment by wild animals. It talked about a lion. It talked about a leopard. It talked about a bear. And then it even talked about wild beasts. So... Would tear them up. And it talked about what a lion could do. How a leopard operates. And how a mother bear gets so enraged when she's deprived of her cubs. And said they would be devoured by wild beasts. A punishment by wild beasts. And you look at 
verses 9, 10, and 11. They're going to lose their king. Let's look at it. Verse 9. Oh Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. 10. I will be your king. Where is any other? That he may save you in all your cities. You see that? That's 10 tribes. They're not just in one city. They're in several cities. They're in the northern kingdom. And judges to whom you said, give me a king and princess, 11, I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. They're going to lose their king. You remember King Saul. King Saul was a, a man of great military might, great political uniter after he had Destroyed kingdoms. What does that have to do with God? But that's what the people wanted. But God's mercy was never with Saul. Because Saul was the people's choice. It wasn't God's choice. Samuel was the last of his kind. He was a priest and he was a prophet. He was the last of his kind. Then after that, you have Saul being the first king over Israel. David was a good king. He had his issues. Solomon started off being a good king. He had his issues too. He was David's son. God is who we should be focusing on. And the northern kingdom was known for the worst kings of all. After Solomon, it split up. Two tribes in the southern kingdom, Judah, and ten tribes in the northern kingdom, Ephraim. They were divided. And then when we look at verses 12 and 13, look at 12. It says, the iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is stored up. My God, it says sin is stored up. Imagine storing up something. Imagine that. We do things in the in the fall so that we will have provisions in the winter. We store things up so that we can survive the winter until spring comes and we're able to plant more. The ground is more still in the wintertime to rest and to refresh. These ten tribes, what did they store up? Sin. And this is God Almighty speaking. Wow. It's just, it's just breathtaking. 
And it says, verse 13, the sorrows of a woman in childbirth shall come upon him. Now, I asked my mother what labor pains were like. And I said on a scale of 1 to 10, she told me it was a 25. I almost passed out. My mother is the mother of three and God bless me to be the mother of one. And I was like, I have no idea how I'm going to survive that. But it says the sorrows of a woman. And when you're in labor, it's very hard work. It's very hard work. And you can't back up in labor. You have to keep going because what you want is on the other side of labor. So labor has to happen in order for the child to come. He called him an unwise son. For he should not stay long where children are born. Wow, that's a family. Children are born into a family and said he shall not stay long. God is our father. We are his sons and daughters. He gave the tribes their names. He called them a people. He reconciled these people to him. And he said, you won't be able to stay long. Captivity. Captivity. Total captivity. Unbelievable. And look at verse 14. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, he has overcome death. He says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. When you don't trust in God, when you reject Him, when you rebel against Him constantly and worship other gods, committing spiritual adultery, Have an intimacy with other gods. Not adhering to being husbands and wives. And honoring the covenant of marriage. See, when we look at Genesis 2 and 24, it basically says that a mother, I mean a man will leave his mother and father and he will cleave unto his wife and he and the wife will become one 
Well, that's one unit in the marriage. These two have become one. Well, who's the other part of the marriage? It's God. He's there to be a blessing that we can stand on his word and know that his promises are true. His covenant is true. He's a covenant keeper. And that we can build our families upon that foundation. But when you don't honor that and you're operating from self-sufficiency and self-worship and reject the precepts and the commandments and the word of God, the character of God, what kind of marriage do you have? When God is not in it. What is that? What are you creating? What family is that? Think about it people. How are you going to be redeemed? How are you going to have power over the grave? How are you going to have power over death? And God is not your God. It does not apply to you. Because you have rejected it. God will not have fellowship with temple whores and temple priests. Who practice idolatry. He's not interested in those sacrifices and ritual worship. I don't care how merry it is. I don't care how much you do for the community. God is not instructing that. That will be rejected to the point where you won't be redeemed. His word. And then we look at verse 15. And that is punishment by drought. What grows with lack of water? People die from lack of water. The natural water. And the supernatural water, the living water, the word of God, you die from both. It says it's going to be a drought. And then verse 16. It says they shall fall by the sword. Their infants shall be dashed in pieces. Their women with child ripped open. That's dying from The horrors of war. And who are you really at war with? God? Well, He's letting you know what's going to happen. 
This should let you know how terrible this is. He doesn't want them to take this lightly. This is huge. This is monumentous. This is not like Miriam when she spoke out against God and God banished her in the wilderness for seven days, turned her into a leper, but after seven days she was able to come back in and the people couldn't move without her, so they had to wait until she restored after seven days. This is not this type of situation. At all. So let's go over to chapter 14. I really hope this is resonating with the men and women of God. Now, chapter 14. We're getting into the restoration. Verse 1. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. 2. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity, receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. 3. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses. Nor will we say any more to the work of our hands, You are our gods. For in you the fatherless find mercy. For I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For my anger has turned away from him. 5. I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. 6. His branches shall spread, his beauty shall be like an olive tree, and his fragrance like Lebanon. 7. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. 8. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. 9. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the way of the Lord are right. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in in them. So when we look at chapter 13 we need to keep in mind that the wages of sin are death. So let's look that. The wages of sin are death. That was clearly demonstrated in chapter 13 in Hosea and also 
when we look at chapter 4. What we went and covered last year, excuse me, last week. <laughs> yes. So, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Northern Kingdom. Guilty as charge. And we saw the punishment. At least six different things was going to happen to them. But we also need to keep an account when we go to Deuteronomy. So let's go to Deuteronomy and we're going to go to chapter 28. I want you to see this. Because I want you to understand something. We're talking about spiritual adultery here. And we're also looking at polytheism. I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I want us to look at verse 61. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 61. And the word of God says this. Also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. That's what was going on in chapter 13. Total devastation. And it was Hosea's job to keep reminding the people But we have verse 14. And this is the restoration part. And we're going to look at it closer. See, verses 1 and 3, 1, 2, and 3 are a call to repentance. Let's look at this. Oh, Israel. Return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Two, take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifices of our lips. Three, Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses, nor will we say any more to the work of our hands. You are our gods. For in you, the fatherless find mercy. He's a fatherless people. Because they rejected the father. They put a lot of emphasis on their hands. Their ability to make things. You have to make an idol. That was found on every hill. And under every green tree. All these things were about self.
What are we doing that we have forgotten who God is? That we only care about gifts. We don't care about the giver. How do you get a gift but from the giver? He makes it all possible. We forget when we're doing good, when things seem to be going along. We want to give ourselves credit. That's when you should really be thanking God. And and coming closer to him. And saying, Lord, let me not get lazy. Let me not get so satisfied that I forget that it's you. Bring to my remembrance of what it is that I need to do to stay in your favor. You know, God is looking for that. But thank God we have a Lord and Savior. We have Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That went to the cross because of our sins. Because he loved us. To fulfill the prophecy. He didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the prophecy. To defeat death. And to pay for our sins. But when you reject God. And reject his commandments. His precepts, his teachings, his word, you have this that you see in verse, excuse me, chapter 13 of Hosea. Read it. Get it into your spirit. Read Hosea 4 again. But what we have going for us now is amazing. And we'll get to that. But look what it says. Of the divine promise of restoration. We find this in verses 4 through 8. Let's look at them together. Verse 4. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned away from him. Five, I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. Six, his branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Seven, those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Eight, Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. Divine healing will replace his anger. Israel has a future, a bright future. One where they prosper with their Lord. Nine. Who 
is wise. Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. It says the ways of the Lord are right and the righteous walk in them. But, there it is, but transgressors stumble in them. We talked about before the wheat and the tares. God knows who the wheat is and he knows who the tares are. So let's go to 1 Corinthians. And we're going to look at chapter 15. And I want to look at a couple of verses. So let's look at. I want to start at verse 54. And I'll probably go down. To the end of the chapter. Verse 58. So I'm going to read verses 54 through 58. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the word of God says this. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption. And this mortal has put on immortality. Then shall we. Excuse me. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. 55. O death. Where is your sting, O Hades? Where is your victory? 56. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, Immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Men and women of God, this is what we have going for us. Because we have a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. We have a Lord. His name is Jesus Christ. He did the work on the cross. So that we could have an opportunity to have continuous fellowship with him. In this life and the next, eternity. We don't have to be separated. But there is a requirement. See, like God makes himself known. His character is known. His word is known. His children. And he rebukes his children. Those that he loves mightily. Because rebuke means to be corrected in love. But the law couldn't save us from sin. Because we read already in Romans 6.23. The wages of sin are death. We also know the soul that sins must die. So how do we reconcile that? We reconcile that because we have a Lord and Savior. And Jesus Christ. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We ought to be like the Apostle Paul. In 57 it says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
we ought to understand that restoration comes only through repentance. See, God is still God. The promises are still there. The covenant is still there. He's a covenant keeper. He's a promise keeper. But you see here, over the last two weeks, when bribes are pandemic, when the mistreatment of poor people are pandemic, you have lawlessness. And God is not a part of lawlessness. When the leadership is presenting and emulating that, that does not honor God. Spiritual adultery, idolatry, polytheism does not honor God. You got to make a choice, people. Or what the prophets Amos and Hosea say will come to pass in your life. Or you can be a true son and daughter of the Most High God. A true believer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your intentions will be brought to your remembrance. We love you. We care for you. And remember, save the lost at all costs and God bless. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 100.1 FM. Also, you can listen to KKVV Christian Talk Radio anytime via your cell phone. Please dial 605-313-0630. Again, that number is 605-313-0630. That number only works in the United States. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 3350. 5852 North Las Vegas 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852 North Las Vegas 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.